0: 12 verses 1 through 8. Hear these words of the Lord. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, And individually, we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Prophecy in proportion to faith. Ministry in ministering. The teacher in teaching. The exhorter in exhortation. And the giver in generosity. The leader in diligence. The compassionate in cheerfulness. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. So how many of you think that you have a perfect body? Anybody? (laughs) I don't think I do. Many is the day that I've wished for three extra inches along my spine and three fewer around my waist. I wished for hair that looks charmingly mussed upon waking, like the women that grace my TV screen, rather than mine that looks like a chicken that got caught in an electrical socket when I wake up in the morning. I have surgical scars and messed up feet that prevent me from wearing most, most sandals. I'm definitely not the picture of the perfect human body. I think this is the norm for most of society. Most of us have some parts of our body that we wish were different. We think we're too heavy or too thin. We don't like the shape of our nose or the color of our teeth. Almost all of us can name at least one part that could be better. The body image imposed by the perfect ideal has driven a beauty industry that has become a major cash cow. In the United States alone, $12 billion was spent on plastic surgery and cosmetics procedures in 2013. In addition to those procedures, Americans additionally spent $2.75 billion on cosmetic dentistry, and another 57 billion for cosmetic and skin care products every year. We as a nation spend over seven or 70 billion dollars annually in pursuit of perfection. Yet when asked, who can answer, "What does the perfect body look like?" And better yet, why does that image change? You see, in the women in Peter Paul Rubin's paintings in the 1600s were full-figured and fleshy. By the 1950s, the penultimate pin-up girl was 5 feet, 5 inches tall, and weighed 120 pounds, approximately 8% smaller than the average woman's weight. Today, the typical model is 5 feet, 10 inches, and weighs 120 pounds while the typical woman is six inches shorter and 50 pounds heavier. A difference now of 28% in weight. Hairstyles and fashion change with the seasons. With these constantly changing standards, it's nearly impossible to keep up with what the world tells us we should look like. Yet we really don't have to worry about what the media is telling us. There is an alternative. We can listen to Paul when he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Brothers and sisters, God does not look at us as the world looks at us. In God's eyes, each and every one of us is already wonderfully made. God doesn't care how many scars we have. It doesn't matter if we need to hit the gym or if we are dressed in the most current style or if our hair is brown or gray or even green. God has created each of us just the way we are supposed to be. We each have strengths and weaknesses and gifts and challenges that he has planned for us. Our outward appearance does not matter to our Heavenly Father. What does matter is how our insides are. It is the condition of our minds and our hearts that is important to God. When these are healthy and in tune with the heart and the mind of God, then we are made perfect. Our souls are cleansed when we use our imperfect bodies to become a living sacrifice that is holy and acceptable to God. This sacrifice can only be effective, though, when all members of the body come together as one unit, each with his or her own gifts to share with each other. Spiritually healthy minds and hearts require this unity, and we cannot have spiritual health and worship without it. Just as with the body, illness and discontent of the mind affects the health of the whole body. Voices of dissension, differences of opinion, gossip, insults, and ill will can only serve to tear the church apart. There is work to be done both inside and outside the walls of this building if we are to be a vibrant congregation in the mission to make disciples of all nations. To such an end, it is critical that we instill instill good mental health practices. If necessary, we must get help for our collective mind, whatever form that help comes in. We must renew ourselves as a church so our mind is able to discern, approve, and accept God's perfect will for the Christian body and for this little vital organ that we call St. Luke. We must put our own selfish desires aside, embody our individual gifts, and value the gifts of others each one being used for the benefit of the whole body of believers. It is only then that we will have a collective mind that is correct in its thinking. Heart health is just as critical to our spiritual well-being as mental health is. Physical heart disease leads to one in every four deaths and hundreds of thousands of debilitating heart attacks annually. But as devastating as that is, Spiritual heart disease is much worse. Spiritual heart disease is rampant in our society. We only have to turn on the news to hear it. We know of people who have such dis-ease in their heart that they are rude and hateful and have alienated all their friends and family. We have met those whose hearts have been broken by abusive relationships. Thousands are lost in searching for something they are unable to find. There are severed relationships, addictions, or violent outbursts almost everywhere we turn. This spiritual heart disease spills out into every part of our world. We even bring it into the church, and if it goes unchecked, it will eventually cause irreparable damage and cut off the lifeblood of the Christian heart. The good news for us, brothers and sisters, is that we have both a neurologist and a cardiologist who can fix the spiritual body. Jesus Christ alone can heal the broken spiritual heart and the ill spiritual mind. But Jesus can't do it without help. He needs people with healthy hearts and correct thinking minds to be his hands and his feet to the broken, diseased, and hurting world. The spiritual health of the church depends on it. He needs us to show love, support, mercy, and grace to his hurting people. He needs us to be in relationships with one another and with our community. Spiritual health cannot work without them. Before anyone lets us into the brokenness and messiness of their life, there must be a measure of trust. Before there is trust, there must be love. And before we can love others, we must have the love of Jesus abundantly stored in our hearts and flowing through our veins and out of our fingertips and out of our pores. We must be willing to reach out to others and meet them wherever they are and in whatever state their spiritual health is. Often, this will require us to step out of our comfort zone. It will always require us to lay aside our judgment, for we cannot love someone and condemn him or her at the same time. Relationships require us to stand in solidarity with one another under the cross of Jesus Christ, who died for the brokenness in all of us. And because we are all broken, we must therefore all also be respect the other's abilities, and swallow our pride in our own accomplishments. Paul, after all, warns us not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. When we come together as one with humility and faith, and with the love of Jesus flowing through our veins, We can do wonders for the spiritual, mental, and cardiac health of God's church. Our spiritual health depends on each person, each member of the body, and each of their gifts working together. The church is much more than the liturgy, the preaching, and the music that we see on Sunday morning. The church is Sunday school and Bible study. It's youth and young adult groups. Church requires finance committee meetings and writing newsletter articles. It even requires scrubbing the toilets and working on the building. There is a job to match every God given gift in every one of us. And they all must work together with one mind and one heart to succeed in the work God has called us to do. Friends, we all belong to each other, and we all belong to the one called Savior. We are the body of Christ in this broken and hurting world. And for the body to survive, we must be healthy in our spiritual minds and in our spiritual hearts. Each of us has something to give to ensure that health. Some of us will carry nourishment to the rest of the body. Some of us will send signals to the brain. All of us have some function that is necessary for the spiritual operation of the body. It takes us all working together with one mind and one direction under the guidance and grace of one Lord to ful- fulfill the mission that is set before us. A mission that tells us to grow with God, grow with others, and to grow in service to the world. Amen and amen.